Are you saved? Are you saved? The Christian claims that they have been saved by faith in Jesus Christ, but what do we mean when we're speaking of salvation? Welcome everyone, this is the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and it's been my honor to be the Bible teacher for this ministry for over 20 years. We've rejoiced to be able to come to you every weekday. This program is brought to you by the International Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and its Missions Fellowship, the Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. You can learn more about our work by going to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. The Greek word that Jesus uses for being saved was the word sozo, and we'll understand it to mean being brought from danger into safety. Jesus used it of physical moments of rescue and also of broad spiritual rescue that he brings to those who believe in him. Sin is a most dangerous thing, and that salvation that comes to us from Jesus negates the destruction that sin brings upon our lives. And when it happens, we are brought into safety from sin's danger. In Luke chapter 7, we have the story of the Lord Jesus. He's having a meal with a Pharisee by the name of Simon. And as they're eating together, a woman comes into the home, which, by the way, was allowed in those days. There was an area where they ate together, and people who were hungry and starving might come into that area, and they might receive help and aid for themselves. And here's a woman who comes into the house while they're eating together, and she gathers around near to the Lord Jesus, and she begins to weep on his feet. And as her tears are falling on his feet, she begins to wipe his feet with her hair. And then she begins to kiss his feet. As she's kissing his feet, he pours perfume out over his feet. And Simon, who's looking onto this, the Pharisee, is aghast that the Lord Jesus would let this sinful woman touch him. It's very obvious that she's a woman of ill repute. And Jesus turns to Simon while this is going on and says to Simon, Simon, there were two men who owned a moneylender. And one owed the moneylender 50 denarii, and the other owed the moneylender 500 denarii, and the moneylender decided to cancel the debt of both men. Now, which of those men do you suppose would love the moneylender more? And Simon says, well, you can think he's trying to clear his mind. He's kind of being distracted what's happening at this very moment, but Simon says, well, I, I suppose the one who was forgiven the larger debt. So Jesus goes on and says basically to Simon, Simon, listen, I came into your house and you didn't provide a washing for my feet, which by the way was customary. And I came into your house and you didn't provide a kiss for my cheek, which by the way was also hospitality and customary. And, and you didn't pour any oil on my head, which by the way again was a customary rule of good courtesy and hospitality. But here is this woman who's washing my feet with her tears. She hasn't stopped kissing my feet. She's not poured ointment on my head. She's poured out precious perfume, and she's anointed my feet with precious perfume. And then in verses 47 through 50, the Lord Jesus says this of Luke chapter 7. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. And then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, Sozo. Go in peace. Now, this woman isn't doing what she's doing because she's hoping to receive forgiveness. Understand this. She hasn't come and she's not weeping on his feet and washing 
his feet with her hair. She hasn't come and kissing his feet and she has not come here and she's not anointing his feet because she's hoping if I do all these things, I'll be forgiven. She's doing these things out of the joy and the love and the precious realization that she has been forgiven. This woman has encountered Christ before. She's heard his teaching. She's received his word. She's believed and trusted that he is the one who is the author that's come to bring forgiveness. And he's offering forgiveness to her and she's received it and she is now expressing the love of a person who has been forgiven much. And the Lord Jesus in saying these things is just confirming in public what has happened in her life. He isn't saying because you did this, (laughs) because you're so loving in this moment, I'm gonna forgive you. He's saying you're doing all these things as an evidence that your sins have been forgiven you. You've been forgiven of all these things. Go in peace. Here's salvation that not only deals with physical problems like blindness or an issue of blood or leprosy that comes upon people who live in a broken and fallen world, but here is a salvation, a deep spiritual salvation that goes to the carnage that sin accumulates in the heart of fallen people. This is not just being saved from the the things that affect us living in a fallen world. This is the salvation that comes because we are ourselves fallen people in sin. And God rescues us and he delivers us and he brings us into safety. And in that moment there is for the one who realizes this kind of rescue profound gratitude. There are tears of joy. There are kisses of blessing. There is the perfume of complete abandonment and surrender to the one who saved you. And this is what happens when you know that you have received salvation and sin's negative impact on your life has been negated and you've been brought back to a place of safety. Go to Luke chapter 19 now. Here's the other example of it. The Lord Jesus goes to the home of this crooked thief, this extortioner who robs people to their faces, Zacchaeus, the rich tax collector. And you can believe when the Lord Jesus is in this man's home that he has had with this man a very clear conversation about what this man's need is and the danger that his sin has brought upon his life and his dire need to be rescued. And, And maybe Zacchaeus becomes aware of it even in the presence of the Lord Jesus without a word being spoken. Maybe the Lord Jesus' very presence is like the earthquake the Philippian jailer experienced and already it's rising up in Zacchaeus. What do I have to do to be saved? Because he senses his sinfulness in the presence of this sinless one. But the Lord Jesus has explained or it's become clear to Zacchaeus that he needs to be rescued from the dire danger that his sin has placed him in. And the Lord Jesus has communicated to him in some way that he alone is the one that can bring to this man rescue. And Zacchaeus believes it. By faith he receives it. And the evidence of this faith is there's a change in his disposition. He doesn't weep at Jesus' feet. He doesn't anoint Jesus' feet with perfume, but instead he gives half of all that he possesses to the poor. And he returns the money to those that he's robbed four times the amount. And then Jesus says to Zacchaeus, salvation today has come to this house for the Son of Man has come to seek and to sozo, save those who are lost. So salvation, saved. It is Jesus teaching that salvation is the negating of sin's detrimental impact on a person's life and a reversal of its moral and spiritual disease or ruin on a person's life. That's what it means to be saved. Here's a second point I want to make, and we'll draw it from this, this example of Zacchaeus. From all these examples, actually, we see that Jesus understood that salvation was evidenced by a change of conditions. 
Salvation is evidenced by a change of condition in the one who's been saved. You see it. You know, if you've been made whole from a deformed hand, you no longer have a deformed hand. If you've been made whole from an issue of blood, you no longer have an issue of blood. If you've been made whole from leprosy, you no longer have leprosy. If you've been made whole from blindness, you no longer have blindness. And a change is taking place in your life. But you didn't change the condition yourself. You didn't stop the issue of your blood. You didn't return yourself from having leprosy. You didn't give yourself sight. You didn't raise yourself from the dead. This is something that God has done. You don't wipe your sins away. You don't bring salvation upon your house and your life because you pay back your debt to those that you've stolen from. But when God brings salvation to your life, your life changes. The conditions of your life change and it's evidenced. It's evidenced in this. You love the one who's changed you. You love the one who's saved you and delivered you. You love the one who's forgiven you of much. Also, you trust much. The things that you held on to in the past as somehow a security for your life, the thing that would soothe you or meet you or be with you when things seem shaky or wrong, you you see now that these are like anchors that are pulling you down to the grave and you let them go because all your trust is in the one who's rescued you and saved you. You're not holding on to that piece of flotsam to keep you afloat in the sea. You know it's going to sink with you. You let go of it. You take care of the one who's grabbed hold of you and... Like Zacchaeus, you give up what you've been hoarding and stealing away for the sake of the love of the one who's now saved you. Now in Luke chapter 19, 8 and 9, we read this. After this visit the Lord has had in Zacchaeus' home, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore four times. And the Lord said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, Look at this, because he also is a son of Abraham. And here we have a bit of a hint of likely what was the conversation going on in Zacchaeus' house. Actually, in Romans chapter 4, Paul teaches that Abraham is the father of the faith. And Abraham's demonstration of belief was this, that he believed God and was accounted to him as righteousness. And Paul points out that Abraham doesn't get circumcised. He doesn't follow the laws of Judaism until many years after he is accounted as being justified by his faith. Paul is trying to explain to the Jews he's writing to that you are not made righteous because you follow laws and rules. You're not made righteous by weeping on the Savior's feet. You're not made righteous by giving away your money to the poor. Made righteous by having faith. You can picture the conversation, Zacchaeus, you're in dire need and you're in danger and you brought it upon yourself because of the sin that you've committed throughout your life. But listen, there's no escape for you. There's no answer for it except to believe in the provision God has given you. And I'm before you as the one who is God's provision for your sin. That's the conversation. Paul goes on and says in Galatians 3.7, the same thing. He says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore know that only those who are of faith, here's the phrase, are sons of Abraham. Only those who are of faith, only those who are of faith are following as the heirs, you might say, of the life of faith that's demonstrated in the life of Abraham, are sons of Abraham. And again, what Paul is saying reveals to us that the Spirit of God has brought to Paul something of the teaching and instruction of the Lord Jesus. Nothing that the apostles shared in the New Testament is formed from what the Lord Jesus taught. They had brought to him by the Spirit of God all that Christ had taught and instructed. And this gives us a clue that probably, 
the kind of conversation that's going on in the home of Zacchaeus with the Lord Jesus. He's telling Zacchaeus, you need to be rescued from your sins. You're in danger. You need to be forgiven. And nothing will gain this for you but to believe that I have come from the Father to provide for your sins forgiveness. And I've come to bring you safely from sin's consequence and harm and danger. Do you believe this, Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus is in his home and the Lord Jesus is basically saying, listen, you, you don't come to faith by following all the laws. Oh, he's saying, I've broken all the laws. I've broken every law that's been given to us in Judaism. They don't even let me come near the temple because I'm such a sinner. I have no answer for myself. The Lord Jesus says, I've come to deliver you from your sins. I am God's answer. I'm the Messiah. Do you believe this? Zacchaeus, do you believe this? Zacchaeus responds that he believes it and Zacchaeus gives this answer. Zacchaeus believes and his faith transforms him and in the moment of this transforming faith he cast away all the things that he's held on to and he's clung to as his only hope against the ruin and the attrition that comes upon him in life and he, he throws it away with joy because he just wants to hold on to the Lord Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to give away half of my wealth to the poor. I want to repay four times all I've stolen from and I can hear the Lord Jesus laughing when he says it. <laughs> Today... Truly, salvation has come to your house. You are a son of Abraham. How? He believed. He had faith. You believed in me as God's answer for your sin, that I've come to seek and to save those, to sozo and bring into safety those who are lost. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.